Good news about the billion-dollar tax fraud lawsuit the Kingston Polygamy Group was facing next on Polygamy. What love is this? There are several important news items that have developed regarding polygamy groups since we did our last news update a few weeks ago, and that was just, I think, a couple I of know. weeks ago that yeah, the last was. one aired. So. But one of the most shocking of the news updates to me was that the, the federal indictments against the Kid Kingston family will not go to trial. Yeah, that was interesting. And we've been telling everybody the trial's coming up, the trial's coming up, and now it's not. Because after they had continued to maintain their innocence after, uh, for, for several months, well, since the investigation began several months ago, they have uh, pleaded guilty. Now, we'll talk about that in detail after we discuss a couple of other news items first. Uh, the first one is about beer. <laughs> now, it's about Polygamy Porter beer. And Polygamy Porter is a beer that is manufactured by and is distributed from Wasatch Brewery. It's a Utah company. Utah, of course, is the Mormon and the polygamy capital of the world, <laughs> yes. so that's appropriate, I guess. But Polygamy Porter beer reportedly is rated 3.5 on a five-point scale, so it must be pretty okay beer, <laughs> and, and it does have a wide distribution, but that's not the point of our discussion. Polygamy Porter beer was released about 18 years ago, and they have recently introduced a new beer that they call the, quote, sister wife of their classic brew. So this is how it's described on their website. Yeah, this is funny. Wasatch Brewery has been bottling a 4% session Polygamy Porter since 2001. Recognized at World Beer Cup and winning gold and silver awards in the session category, the name and edgy taglines take some home to the wives. Why have just one? I've tried polygamy, have grabbed the attention of craft beer drinkers over the years. It is not difficult to see it was time to add to the fun. Polygamy Nitro Porter. She's on Nitro. Meet the sister wife of our classic brew. This nitrogenated version is as chocolatey and easy drinking as the original, but even softer and creamier. It's okay to love them both. <laughs> <laughs> so they're putting a spoof on, on polygamy, It's actually obviously. on the bottle, I and think. And it's, it's yeah. actually on the bottle, and we have one here, which we haven't <laughs> opened. But at any rate, we want you to understand that we are not advertising for polygamy porter beer. We're not even suggesting you try it or try any kind of beer. Um, that's not the point of our story. But there is an end story to this that is both interesting and worth a brief discussion, which we'll get to in just a moment. First of all, Polygamy Porter, no doubt, was named after Porter Rockwell. At least that would be part of the reason for their naming. Sure. Uh, he was an early Mormon henchman for Joseph Smith. He was called the Mormon Executioner. And from the Utah Lighthouse Ministry newsletter, issue number 11, we want to quote a little bit about him. Now, this was said in the Warsaw Signal of December 10, 1843. O.P. Oren Porter Rockwell, I believe, mm -hmm. this delectable specimen of humanity, the assassination, the assassin of Gov Governor Boggs has taken to himself a wife, not his own wife, for be it remembered that he cast off the woman that law regarded as his wife long since, but he has appropriated to himself the wife of Amos Davis. It is generally the case that when a wife leave her husband to live with a seducer, 
They elope and settle in a place where they are not known. But there is no necessity for such a step in the holy Nauvoo. So fashionable it is, is it for the heads of the church to appropriate the wives of other men to their own purposes, that it is regarded as no crime for one man to steal the companion of his neighbor and live with her in open, unconcealed adultery. What a beautiful moral code is Mormonism. So, <laughs> so they're making a play on, on polygamy, <laughs> yeah. polygamy porter as well as polygamy. Sure. And, and then maybe too because um, polygamy and, and Mormonism prohibits beer drinking or yeah. alcohol drinking right. of any kind. So it's really quite a spoof on all of this. But the news we want to tell you comes from an article from the New York Post describing the recent rejection by North Carolina of the sale of polygamy porter beer in their state. This article is dated July 15th, just a few days ago, and it's, this is part of what it says. <laughs> polygamy and beer reportedly don't mix in North Carolina. A polygamy-themed beer was rejected for sale in North Carolina because polygamy is illegal. Utah-based Wasatch Brewery recently filed a request to sell its polygamy porter in North Carolina, Fox 13 reports. It was determined that polygamy porter represents something illegal. In a statement to Fox 13, the North Carolina Alcoholic Beverage Control Commission said that according to its statutes, representing something illegal is undignified and in bad taste. When the brewery received the rejection letter, it was shocked. It caught us by surprise. Of any places that you'd think we'd have trouble with, it would be in our own home state. But no, it's just sales right on through here in Utah. Yeah. Wasatch has appealed the decision and will head to Raleigh on August 14 to argue its case. So there you have it. Polygamy is illegal, and North Carolina refuses to support or condone the idea of polygamy in good any for way. Them. I say good for them. Whether or not they'll stand by their division, of course, depend, uh, remains to be seen on sure. August 14th during the appeal. So our next news update is about the charges against James Oler for trafficking a 15-year-old girl from Canada mm -hmm. into the United States for sexual purposes. We've talked about this one on the show before, no. too, but, but th there's just a new news coming up about it. Uh, now, in 2018, James Oler was charged and convicted of polygamy in a separate lawsuit. He is from the FLDS polygamy group in Canada. He is an ex-bishop and faithfully followed the decrees of Warren Jeffs. And when he was a bishop, Oler would have held the highest priesthood position in the FLDS community in Bountiful, um, Canada. It was Warren Jeffs in 2004 who ordered James Oler to bring this young girl to the United States to be married. We quote from the trial. A trial witness whose identity is protected by a publication ban was also named by Jeffs in the directive to come to the U.S. and be married as a child bride. The witness testified she traveled with two adults to the United States on June 24, 2004, crossing into Idaho at the Port Hill Crossing south of Creston and pulling into a rest area shortly after. Another van containing Oler and the 15-year-old girl had arrived. All but one piled into the newly arrived van and headed to Cedar City, Utah, and later to Mesquite, Nevada. Church records indicate 18 marriages took place on June 25th 
as the witness, the 15-year-old girl, and Oler himself were all married in separate ceremonies. Wow, that's just what they do in polygamy. It's not pretty. But Oler was found guilty of these charges in a new trial that took place earlier this year. However, sentencing has not yet happened mm. yet. But it is scheduled for August 29th, about a month from now. Just recently, the Crown has made it known that it wants jail time for James Oler. Uh, and of course, we applaud the desire of the Crown simply because when there is a law, but no penalty for breaking the law, the law is a failure. Yes, and the victims sure. that are subject to the whims of these polygamous men need to see justice. They need action against their abusers and applying the penalty for breaking the laws against trafficking young girls into polygamous marriages will give hope to many other victims of polygamy. So uh, we do, we're, we're glad these <laughs> things are taking place. Place. Trafficking is a big deal. When they're doing these sex trafficking, and, and there's a lot of it in the news now, why don't they go to polygamy groups mm. and, 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 and investigate them? But it doesn't seem they do. Well, when they bring them down, is there some return that they're expected to bring others back up and they kind of a exchange? You, you do this for there's me and I'll do that There's some exchanging, yes. There yeah. is some exchange like that. Yeah. Um, but like Warren Jeffs, uh, he wanted that girl married to right. to someone here, so they just brought her over. You know, mm. it's just what they did. And they've been doing that. They've been doing that in Mexico, too, for the polygamists there, back yeah. and forth over the border. Mm. The next news update is yet another victory for the oppressive and exploitive child labor that is rampant in polygamy groups. Yes. Now, a few years ago, and we've talked about this on previous shows, uh, a few years ago, an FLDS-owned company uh, named Paragon Contractors was charged by the Department of Labor, labor that 104 of their workers were eligible for back pay. Uh, they had worked without compensation. Uh, in their pecan orchards, uh, and they would work six days a week, three months out of the year. Wow. Now, on July 3rd of this year, a judge ordered the contractor to pay more than a million dollars in back wages to the children who had been forced to pick their pecans uh, from 2008 to, through, to, wow. through 2013. So we want to quote part of what the judge determined. What the judge determined. Now, this is from the Salt Lake Tribune. U.S. District Judge Tina Campbell ruled Tuesday based on the Department of Labor's determination that 104 workers were eligible for back pay from Paragon contractors who demonstrated a clear pattern of oppressive child labor that violated a 2007 agreement to stop the practice. Now, the initial lawsuit, they, had agreed, they found them guilty, and they had agreed to stop yeah. doing this, but, but they didn't stop. Uh, they originally claimed that the children had volunteered to help the needy by picking up fallen nuts for them. <laughs> the department disagreed, and eventually they set out to find former child workers to make them aware of the available back pay, which was calculated by using the federal minimum wage at the time of their work, <laughs> And it added up to over a million dollars. So <laughs> once again, the polygamy group is found guilty as charged and justice is being done. Someone said the wheels of justice turn slowly. And yes, painfully slowly sometimes. And sometimes it comes too late to help many of the victims. But we are starting to see that some polygamous community leaders are finally being held accountable. But is it too little too late? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. But one thing we do know, 
Many of us have been praying for many, many years to our loving, patient, and merciful God that he would reveal these ugly, illegal, and oppressive practices of polygamists and bring justice to the abused and set the captives free. Perhaps God, in his wisdom, is targeting them where it hurts, and which seems to be in their bank accounts. <laughs> and this is true, especially in the next news item, which is the huge multi-million dollar lawsuit against the two Kingston brothers who managed the Washakie Renewable Energy Plant in Box Elder County in northern Utah. So that will be what we're going to talk about the rest yeah. of the time. Very interesting. It is very interesting, and, and, and in a way, it's, it, it's, it's good news, and in a way, I kind of wish it had gone to trial because a lot of secrets would have been, been revealed talked about at it, and, and that's out. probably why all this yeah, took place. Yeah. But first of all, a television program was recently aired on CBS. It was entitled Whistleblower. It revealed a lot of information by a girl named Mary who had escaped from the Kingston Polygamy Group. She explained her escape, she told the story, and the tactics that they used to get her and keep her in their clutches, we <laughs> quote. Also from the Tribune, Mary's mother found out about Brian. In a lawsuit that would be filed later, Mary asserted that her mother disapproved of the relationship and started watching her more closely. Mary contends her mother made her sleep in bed with her, and the only bathroom she was allowed to use was one attached to her mother's bedroom and had no door. Mary also alleged that her family intended for her to marry a cousin. In her own affidavit for the lawsuit, Mary's mother denies taking such measures to watch her daughter or that there was any plan for the then teen to wed a cousin. Well, her mother, in, in a separate affidavit, her mother denied her actions. But we have to keep in mind that lying for the Lord is what they do. Yeah. It is normal procedure for them to lock up and isolate someone whom they think will bolt. In fact, when I was 13 years old and I wasn't ready to bolt yet, I was locked up in my own room for two weeks. Uh, others have told stories of being locked up into isolation because of some perceived disobedience. I believe every word of what she said, and there may yeah. even be more to it, who knows. But it's a long story, and we're not going to cover here. But it was the beginning of a decided and planned takedown of the Kingston polygamy group. Now, many people, including the former Utah Attorney General, uh, Mark Shurtleff, and the Rolling Stone magazine, have called the Kingstons an organized <laughs> crime polygamous family. And having been born and raised in their group, I can agree with their assessment. Hmm. My question is this, why did it take so long and just two very young people to successfully pursue this organized crime family. <laughs> During the whistleblower program, they told how they had been, how they had given damaging information. By the way, it was firsthand information too. Oh boy. To Utah's Attorney General, Sean Reyes now, but he totally ignored it. He just, just ignored it. So they notified the IRS and the FBI to get the ball rolling, and it did. Now, we've discussed these particular charges on previous shows, so our regular viewers are probably aware of the details. But for newer viewers, we will briefly explain the lawsuit. Jacob Kingston and his brother Isaiah, who managed and operated the Washakie plant, 
uh, filed tax credits based on fuel that they claimed they manufactured but didn't. They were involved with money laundering and numerous other charges. Well, let's quote from an article. Yeah, some of this is hard to believe, isn't it? It is. Oh. Polygamous leaders of incestuous white power cult bought $20 million of Utah compounds, $7 million in luxury cars, a $4 million California beach house, Texas ranch, a mansion in Turkey with profits from $1.1 billion tax fraud scheme. Jacob and Isaiah Kingston are charged with submitting $1.1 billion in false records to obtain $511 million in profit for Washakie Renewable Energy. Jacob and Isaiah are the sons of John Daniel Kingston and his cousin Rachel, two of the highest ranking members of the order. I guess that's what they call the order, huh? The two brothers who are high-ranking members of the Utah Polygamous Group were hit with 50 additional charges in their ongoing tax fraud case. A superseding indictment, indictment reveals new fraud and money laundering charges against Jacob and Isaiah Kingston as well as their mother Rachel and Jacob's wife Sally. Jacob and Isaiah are the sons of John Daniel Kingston, who is the highest-ranking member of the order. Rachel is one of his 14 wives, as well as his second cousin. So it gets a little bit intertwined here. Yeah. Now, now, they have that wrong about Daniel being the highest-ranking member. He isn't. He's at probably the second-ranking. His brother, Paul leaders. Kingston, is the prophet leader. Oh. He would be the highest-ranking. But at any rate, he is high-ranking, very much yeah. so. Uh, but this is basic information about the lawsuit and what is going on. Now, for months, the brothers continued to plead not guilty to the charges. Uh, they offered to pay millions of dollars in bail money if the judge would release them from jail But well, while they were waiting for trial, but they were a flight risk, and so yeah. that was refused. Right. But most recently, Jacob's attorneys had asked the judge not to allow the words polygamy and the order <laughs> to be used during the trial. Now, that, of course, is where this secret stuff comes in, yeah. because if they use polygamy and the order, then all of this stuff that's going on uh, that we talk about would, would necessarily be brought out. Yeah. But now it doesn't even matter uh, whether or not they were, would be free to use those words because they pled guilty, and the feds have moved to start confiscating property that the Kingston Polygamy Group owns to pay for this tax fraud case. Yeah. So millions and millions and millions of dollars of property are being confiscated as a result of their guilty plea. Now, I think it's somewhere between 20 and 30 years maximum that these brothers can be um, can be imprisoned, imprisoned wow. for just in pleading guilty. Wow. Yeah. So, and and that hasn't happened yet. That the sentencing hasn't happened yet. But some folks say that Daniel Kingston was the mastermind behind the entire scheme. Uh, he's not named in the lawsuit at all. But whether he was or not is beside the point. At this point, they all knew they were doing wrong. They splurged the fraudulent cash. They took money laundering, uh, or took to money laundering to help hide the fraud. They stashed money overseas with a plan to run there and escape from authorities if needed. They all knew that they were doing wrong. <laughs> now, another fact that probably bothers me more than anything else, except that they do all this in God's name, is that their plural wives and families live in horrible poverty and squalor. 
They live in run-down, unhealthy, unmaintained housing. Each plural wife is required to work to support the children of these polygamous men and forced to pay their husband's rent to live in the filthy shacks that they call housing. While at the same time, their polygamist husbands move their favorite wives and the younger ones mm -hmm. into their luxury homes in Sandy, Utah, uh, a luxury beachfront property in California, the ranch in Texas, and they had property in Belize and Turkey. Wow. And their other wives and children are forced to dig through dumpsters at night to gather food for their meals. We're not making this up. It's all being talked about by those who have left it. So they've got extreme wealth on one, on one side and extreme poverty on the other. We read from a Salt Lake Tribune article. The most valuable assets appear to belong to Washakie itself. The biofuel production facility in Plymouth, as well as assets it has in Texas, California, Turkey, and Belize, could bring hundreds of millions of dollars. Jacob O. Kingston, the CEO who pleaded guilty Thursday, also has a $4 million home in Cottonwood Heights the government will take. Kingston also has a collection of sport and luxury cars that could be worth 2 to $3 million. The U.S. Department of Justice also wants to take homes and businesses from others who didn't, didn't necessarily participate in the fraud, but who may have received financing from the fraud's proceeds. This includes 25 homes and businesses and lots in Salt Lake County that the assessor says has a combined market value of $14 million. So we're going to take a detailed, more detailed look at some more of the assets that the government is confiscating. And this is public record. There's a link on the screen. Uh, it's a Salt Lake Tribune article that has posted a copy of the plea deal. It's very interesting. And at the bottom of the document is a list of their assets to be confiscated. And again, it's mind-boggling to me to see this much wealth held by a group of people while every day in the life of every member, penny-pinching and forced impoverishment describe their lives. It's called the Law of Consecration. Give all your money to God as facilitated by the group. These are some of the, of the properties that are being confiscated. Mm -hmm. This, like you said, it's all in the name of the order, the United Order kind mm -hmm. of thing. The only true it? religion on the planet. Yeah, the confiscation. I mean, that they turn all their money over to the yes to the order for God. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here are the parts, the the thing properties being confiscated. Many parcels of land in Plymouth, Utah, and in Box Elder County that are being taken. Dozens of properties, both residential and business, in the Bountiful, Woods Cross, Magna. Bluffdale, Taylorsville, and Salt Lake City area. A ranch in Ipapaw, Ipapaw. Is it? Mm -hmm. Utah, a, a 2015 Lamborghini, a Cadillac, Cadillac Escalade, a 2013 Lincoln, 2013 Audi, a 2007 Ferrari, six Kenworth trucks, well, that's worth something, yeah. investments in Ireland and Turkey worth millions of dollars, property, property in Belize, and accounts at Merrill Lynch, and so on. And more, and the so on includes a vacant property in Woods Cross that's worth over $1.5 million. The Huntington Beach Beach House is worth almost $4 million, and there's a commercial property located in 
Mesa, Arizona, with a current value of over $7 million. Wow. Now, remember, they have brainwashed their members to believe that the Kingston Group is God's only kingdom on the planet and that the Kingston family is a direct bloodline from Jesus Christ. But Jesus owned no property. He didn't have any businesses. <laughs> he said he had no place to lay his head. He traveled everywhere on foot. He even refer refused to turn stones into bread when he was hungry, even though he had the power to do it. No, this isn't the kingdom of God, and they are not followers of Jesus Christ in any sense of the term. And besides that, Jesus said his kingdom is not of this world. Good point. <laughs> there are businesses and properties owned by the Kingston Group that the government isn't confiscating, but this will hurt their bank account and their agenda, as well as the luxurious lifestyles for the few, at least for a while. Yeah. From the comments of one of the internet articles about this story, one of them said this. The Kingston Group owns and operates numerous businesses and they all use the same fraudulent business practices. I see it every day. I am a current employee of the order. And of course, no name oh, is given on that. Yeah. So will they change as a result of being caught and punished? Or will there be so much economic damage that a great membership exodus occurs? I doubt that they will change because a bad root cannot produce good fruit. They must change their God before God can change them. And probably some people may leave, but sadly, most of them will weather the increased forced poverty that this must produce. We just hope and pray that this tip of the iceberg will be enough to bring the rest of their behavior into public scrutiny and that members will question what they've been taught and that it will give them courage to begin to investigate for the truth for themselves. And that's where my heart is, to see them, mm. see this fraud and know it couldn't be from God and, and want to find the truth out for themselves and discover. And this will impact the leaders. It sounds like based on what we've talked about, the poverty of the, uh, the normal kind of polygamist, that their life may not be impacted by this too much then. Maybe the leaders will be, but as soon as time goes on, they'll start building up their coffers again, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, and they're not taking everything. They, no. they still, and who knows how much is, is still hidden. But it, the, the ones living in poverty, you're right. They've been in poverty all this time. They'll still yeah. be in poverty. And they just don't. They just don't have access to this information, or they just ignore most of the people. They... Most of the people are uninformed, yeah. and when they do hear of something like this, like these two important men being in jail, well, it's persecution. It's <laughs> religious persecution. It's God's That's way of they... testing us, or oh, all, of that. all of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Isn't all that of that. It's so sad. It's so sad. I just, I just pray so hard for them. So, and, and the hypocrisy that kind of goes such along Such hypocrisy, with it. and the leaders know it. Yeah. The leaders know they are. And don't they know they have to stand before God someday? That's why I wonder if they're atheists. Oh, do you? That's why I wonder. If they actually, they, they, surely, they don't fear God. They can't fear God. Yeah. They know they're doing this, and, <laughs> and they don't stop. They get worse. Yeah. And take advantage of every turn. And, and I don't yeah. know that they're atheists. I just sometimes I wonder, you know. But they take I, I advantage just, of any. Yeah. 
anything they can. So that's the news update oh boy. on polygamy groups. Thanks, Earl. You bet. <laughs> you know, someone once said that cults flourish because of biblical illiteracy. They also flourish because they conjure up reasons why the Bible is wrong and their own writings or revelations take precedence. But the Bible came first. It has every evidence of authenticity. It comes from God's own heart, and it stands on its own merit and integrity. And it says that if a man doesn't take care of his own family, he is worse than an infidel. And in Bible language, that's pretty low. Many polygamists do not take care of their families, even though God expects them to. But when an individual turns to Jesus Christ, trusting him alone for their eternal life, that person inherits hundreds of promises and blessings from God. And we pray that the fractures that are taking place in polygamy groups will serve to open the eyes of their members so they can see that polygamy is an abomination to God and that Jesus Christ alone is the only way to heaven. Thank you for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.